Guys, let's, um, let's pray as we dig into the Bible. Almighty God, uh, you're so good, and it's so good to be in your word just day in, day out. In fact, um, we're loving it, and we're so thankful, and we ask that you'd please um, soften us now before your word to receive what is a difficult doctrine, but a beautiful one uh, when we're soft to believe and trust you at your word. Amen. Well, can you remember the moment that you became a Christian? Uh, that moment that you chose to start trusting in Jesus for the first time. Now, I reckon lots of you guys actually won't have a moment like this, like a, a particular moment. Maybe you grew up in a family that taught you about Jesus, you grew up in church where you've been taught about Jesus the whole time, and so you might not have a particular moment. But other, others of us will have a moment like that. I'm, I'm hoping that some, for some of you, you'll have that moment this week, and maybe you already have, I myself, I have a, a moment that I remember as a really profound moment in my life. Uh, it was the year out of high school for me, so HK represent, um, Henry Kendall. I was 19, just left, and it was the first time I came along to church, and I was there, and I was wrestling with stuff, and I had a, my first Bible ever. When I went to HK, there was one Christian my whole year, and that one Christian invited me along, and I came. How good's that? So, keep it up, guys. So the year out, I've got my first Bible, I'm wrestling, I've still got it, I've, it's, there's pen marks everywhere, I'm writing questions, and, I'm, and I remember a particular moment where the gospel about Jesus became clear to me, and I understood that I was a sinner, I understood who Jesus was, that He had died to save me, and at that point, or at some time earlier maybe, I chose to start trusting Jesus as my Saviour. But what if I told you that it's actually God who chooses who will be saved? What if I told you that God chooses who's in and who's out of His kingdom? Last night we heard that because of our sin, we would never choose God. We would always resist His will, His offer of grace toward us, but what if I told you that not only would we never choose God ourselves, that it's actually entirely up to God to choose us? Would you be okay with that? If the Bible said that, would you go with it? This week we've seen some huge things, we've seen that sin is massive, that we're sinful through and through, sin is huge. We've seen the hugeness though of God's grace, God has been so incredibly gracious to us to offer this free gift. But if all of that's been huge, tonight's doctrine is huger. Tonight's doctrine is unconditional election. Now, let me break this down for us. Election, what does that sound like? Sounds like when you go and vote for a Prime Minister, right? Election means choosing. Unconditional means there are no conditions you have to meet for God to choose us. You know, sometimes there are conditions for you, go to, for you to go on a ride, like the condition is you have to be yay high to go on this ride. Well, unconditional election says that there are no conditions that you have to meet for God to choose you. Now, a heads up on this one. Sometimes people find this one, this doctrine, really hard. Sometimes people rage against this doctrine because it's a super challenging one. 
it makes us feel this big and makes God seem really big. And so that's why I do want to have a little bit of question time toward the end of tonight's sermon. We'll see how we go. I, I do not have all the answers to stuff, but we'll, we'll wrestle with some stuff together if you've got questions. So write them down as you go. Um, but this time is particularly going to bring with it two challenges. The first challenge is the challenge to listen to and accept what God's Word says. If God's Word says this tonight, will you accept it? Will you listen to it humbly and receive it humbly? There's the first challenge. The second challenge is not to miss how good this doctrine is. See, some people, because they find it so hard, they don't listen to it, they won't listen to it, and the outcome of that is that they miss out on a doctrine that is actually amazing and beautiful and good. Now, this truth, it is going to stretch us, but don't miss how good it is. So, let's jump in together and I want to start with the, the big thing that I want you to see tonight and the big thing is this, the God of the Bible is a chooser. Right from the start of the Bible, God is the one who's been choosing. He chooses people, they don't choose Him. And so, let me take you through some of this. Genesis 12, right from the start, God chooses Abraham to be His. Abraham's this random dude from out in the middle of nowhere and God says, I'm going to take that random bloke, some 80-year-old, and I'm going to make him my key person. Listen to this from Genesis 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him. He chose Abraham. He chose Israel, the nation Israel, to be his special people. Deuteronomy 7, talking to Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. Out of everyone on the face of the earth, God chose this particular people, Israel, to be His. God chose. Jesus, when He gathered His 12 disciples, Jesus chose them. Have a listen to what Jesus says in John 15. We just read this at church. John 15, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit. And perhaps the clearest part of the Bible on this, Romans 8, 28 to 30. And here's where I want us to focus most of our time tonight on these couple of verses. Romans 8, 28 to 30, and the unbreakable chain of eternal awesomeness. Doesn't that sound like a sick movie? I would go and see that movie. Verse 28, now I've decided, uh, verse 28 is one of the best, I've decided, it's the best, um, I've decided we're going to not look at that verse tonight and we're going to look at it tomorrow, but it's one of the best verses in the Bible, so we're just going to hold off on that one, we'll come back to it. Um, but verses 29 to 30, there are five big words in this unbreakable chain of eternal awesomeness and those five big words are five things God has done for Christians. Now, have a look at this verse with me, starting in verse 29. For those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also 
glorified. Five big things that God does. And if the thing with this is, if you've got one of them, you've got all of them. These things come as a package deal. You get, if you're foreknown by God, you can be sure you're predestined, you're called, you'll be justified, you'll be glorified. They are a package. It's a little bit like being a metalhead. Now, I can say this because I know, this is, I'm speaking from experience. If you're into heavy metal, there's this whole package deal that comes along with it. Um, like, if you like metal, I guarantee you it's going to be true that you've got long black hair, you play lead guitar in a metal band, and uh, you don't get out in the sun that much. Um, it's a package deal when you're into metal. Metallica's new album just came out today, guys. I can't wait to get home and listen to it. Um, now, was that too rough on metal, guys? Nah, it wasn't too rough. Look at this. That's me, and that's Toby. <laughs> so, you knew about me, but look, Toby liked metal, lead guitar player in a heavy metal band. Didn't get out in the sun. Is anyone here into metal? What? No, no one. No one likes metal? Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, six months' time, long hair, lead guitar player in a band called Black October or something. Um, when you, and I could pick on anyone, I could pick on surfies, but when you're, when, you're a, when you're a metalhead, all this stuff comes. When you've got one of these things, one of these big things, when you're foreknown by God, you're predestined, you're called, justified and glorified, they all come together. And so, what I want us to do is break down those five things and look at them slowly together. That's what we're going to do. So, let's start with this together. Back in verse 29, first of all, God foreknew us. Now, foreknew. Now, foreknew is a relationship word. It's about knowing someone. And check out these words from Jeremiah 1. Listen to what God said to Jeremiah, his prophet. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was even born, before he was even this tiny little pea-sized baby in his mummy's tummy, God knew him. Now, how can that, how can that work? How can God know someone who doesn't even exist yet? Well, God's not like us. You know, we, we can't do that, but God's not like us. God is eternal. He's actually outside of time. Time doesn't work for Him the way it works for us. God can, is, He's so big, He's so much bigger than we could ever imagine, that He can know someone personally before they even exist. God is so big, so much bigger than we could ever imagine. God foreknew people before the foundation of the world. So, that's number one. But number two, secondly, verse 29 again, those whom God foreknew, He also predestined. Now, this word is the heart of tonight's talk, predestined. Now, what does predestined mean? It's actually pretty easy to understand what this word means. It's about God, pre, which means before, and determine, determining our destiny. God determines our destiny, where we're going to end up, way back in the past, before time even began. And have a look in verse 29, what He predestined us for. So, what does it say? Verse 29, for those who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, 
that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What God predestined us to is becoming like Jesus, being brothers and sisters with Him, which is another way of talking about becoming a Christian. Now, I've got an illustration for us, which is not perfect, but what this verse is saying is sort of like the fact that God is like a movie script writer. And now, he, he's, um, the script is written, God writes a script, and the script is our lives. God is the author of our life story, before time began, predetermining where things are, how it's going to go and where things are going to end up from beginning to end. He's the scriptwriter. Like when we watch a movie, we don't know for the first time, we don't know where, where it's going to end up. How is this going to be? But God does because He's the scriptwriter, the predestiner who chooses and determines from the beginning who will be conformed to the image of Jesus, who will be a Christian. Now, how is God able to do that? How could God do that before we even exist? And well, God is so much bigger than we understand. God has the power to do this. He is the God who is all-powerful. He's not a weak God who doesn't know the ending, who doesn't know stuff like how things are going to turn out. He's not weak. He's not a weak God who gives up control over to us and says, I don't know, you guys figure it out. He's not weak like that. He's strong. He's eternal. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the predestiner. And get this, this is crucial. He's able to predestine us without turning us into puppets. That these things that are just characters in a movie that aren't really alive, who don't have any ability to make real decisions. No, we, we know intuitively, we know that we're not like that. You and I make real decisions all the time. We do make real decisions. God even holds us accountable for our decisions. God is the predestiner though. Powerful enough to predestine without turning us into mere puppets. Now, we're going to come back to that. But let's, let's carry on. We've got foreknown, predestined, third, verse 30 now. And those He predestined, He also called. Now, if predestination is the work that God did way back here before time began, calling is the thing He does during our lives, now in the present. It's the thing that we're hoping will happen for you this week, that you'll be called to God, to put your trust in Jesus. First, He planned out in the past who would be His people, and then now in the present, in time, He's calling people to Himself. Now, calling is actually what we've started talking about last night, where God, through His Word, through the Gospel, like how Jesus speaks to Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come out, and He gives him life, that's what calling is. And so, as you hear the Gospel preach, as I heard the Gospel preach when I was 19, God was calling me to put my trust in Him. Now, listen, listen to this, how Paul begins this very letter, Romans, how we're starting. Um, he says to the Romans, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God, 
and called to be his holy people. Or listen to how he speaks to the Corinthians in the start of that letter. He says, to the church in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. God calls to us through the message of Jesus and offers us this gift of grace and says, take hold of it by faith, calling you to himself. Four new, predestined, called, and now again in verse 30, look at it there, and those he called, he also justified. Now, to be justified is to be declared not guilty, righteous. And this is one of the most important things to understand in all the Bible. If you understand justification, what this is talking about, being justified, then you've understood the heart of the Bible's message. When you get justified, you get declared innocent from all of your sins. Sinner though you are, God declares you to be sinless. Why? Because Jesus has lived a perfect life on our behalf, He's got righteousness, and He dies on the cross bearing our punishment, and so God can look at us as though all our sins have been wiped away. Jesus dealt with it, His righteousness is now ours, we get justified even though we're guilty. Justification. And then finally, the last one in verse 30, and those He justified, He also glorified. Glory, glorified. Sometimes in the Bible talks about the fact that we're going to have glory in heaven, and heaven's this glorious place. We'll have glory and we'll be glorifying Jesus. But so sure is our glory in heaven that it's as good as ours, ours now. It's as though we have glory now. That's how sure our future is. Because remember, all these things are a package deal. And so, if God has foreknown us and predestined us and now called us and justified, glory in heaven is as good as yours. It's a little bit like at the Olympics when someone wins gold race and the second that they cross the finish line, the the judges call out, she's done it, she's won the gold, she's got the gold medal and everybody's cheering. Now, she doesn't actually have the gold medal yet, she just crossed the line, they haven't had the ceremony. But so sure is that is her getting the gold that she's got the gold medal now, we can talk about it. Well, so sure is our glory in heaven, it's as though we're glorified already. And here is the most awesome thing. In Jesus, if your trust is in Him, these five blessings are yours. They are certain, they are unbreakable. If you trust in Jesus, this package deal is yours. Now, I want us to get to questions, and, and I, but I also want to talk about how this changes our, our lives. So, but first, let me just deal with a couple of, of questions you might have um, before we even get there. Let me deal with two big things. First objection that you might have, is this actually what the Bible teaches? Is this what the rest of the Bible says, or have I just found one little verse that I can make say what I want it to say? Well, the rest of the Bible talks a lot about predestination. 
It doesn't necessarily use the word predestination, it might use the word election, or it might use the word chose, or it might use other words. But let me take you to two places that are really clear on this. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, don't, don't worry about flicking there, I think I've got it on a slide. Ephesians chapter 1. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Before the foundation of the world, God chose us. In God's great love, even before the foundation of the world, He predestined to have a people who would be His forever. Have a look at this next passage, 2 Timothy 1. God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus, when? When was this grace given to us? Before the beginning of time. Our salvation is given to us as a gift before the foundation of the world, before time even began, when God foreknew and predestined you. And so, if you're a Christian, why are you a Christian? It's because of God. It's because of God's incredible love that He predestined some of us to be His forever. It's God's incredible grace that He would choose you and set His love upon you, even though we had done absolutely nothing. We didn't even exist yet. And then when we did exist, the thing we chose to do was rebel against Him. And yet He still chose to have us in, in His incredible and great love. See, this is the unconditional part of this doctrine, the unconditional election. Remember, it's unconditional because you, there's no way you could have possibly met any conditions, you didn't even exist yet. So, you couldn't possibly meet these conditions for God to choose you. It's entirely God's gracious act that He would choose some to be His. And then when you did exist, what did we do? We rebelled against Him, we pushed Him away, we said, no, go! And yet God in His sheer grace turns us around, that we would see Him for all His goodness and love toward us. Does the rest of the Bible teach this? Yes, the rest of the Bible teaches this. And what an incredible truth it is about the power and love of our God toward us. But here's another objection. If God chooses us and is in control, then why does God still blame some for their sin? Do you get that? Do you feel that? If it's God who chooses, how can He still blame the people He's not chosen for their sin? Well, there's multiple facets to this, to the, an answer to this, but here's one of them. Here's, here it is. It's because those people really are guilty of sin. God doesn't blame them and condemn them for nothing, for no reason. He's condemning them for real rebellion against Him. Now, here's the thing you've got to try and wrap your head around. God's complete control doesn't 
take away our real responsibility. I'll say that again. God's complete control doesn't destroy our ability to make real decisions. Now, let me show you a verse that puts these two things together, God's control and our real decision-making, our real responsibility for our decisions. Have a look at this one, Luke 22, 22. Uh, very easy to v- verse to remember, Luke 22, 22. Listen to this and see if you can spot God's control and our responsibility. This is what Jesus says, talking about Himself. He says, the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays Him. God predetermined that Jesus would die on a cross, betrayed by His friend Judas. It's decreed by God that this would happen, but woe to Judas who does it. Judas still chose to do it. It was his real decision in time. And so, for everyone who doesn't get chosen by God, what's God condemning them for? He's not condemning them for not getting chosen, He's condemning them for their real rebellion against Him. They are genuinely guilty. One pastor has said it like this, there will be no innocent people in hell and only forgiven sinners in heaven. And so, if we were to go back to our movie script illustration, God is the movie script writer, He's in control, He writes the shape of the script from beginning to end, and we are the characters in the script, but somehow we are real, (laughs) we are real, genuine decision-making things. There's these two layers going on, There's the God layer, the over and above the whole thing, and then there's our layer where we're genuinely in it and we're genuinely making decisions. Now, somehow these things fit together. Somehow they are compatible together. God's control over it all, our real responsibility. The Son of Man will go as it's been decreed by God, God decrees that the Son of Man will die at the hand of betrayal of His friends, but woe to Judas for making that decision. Those those fit together in Jesus' mind, Luke 22, 22. And so, for Christians, while while in our layer of the script, we deserve to be condemned for the things we've done, in God's layer, in His immense kindness, He's planned from the beginning that will be saved. He's chosen us, He's foreknown and predestined and and in our layer, He called us and justified and glorified us. And so, what this means is that we are not, we're not able to point our finger at God and say, why didn't you save everyone? How come you chose to save them and not those people? We can't say that because none of us deserve saving. None of us deserve saving. That He would save any of us is His sheer grace, His undeserved generosity poured out upon us. What a miracle that He's done that for us, for anyone. Now, there's two big objections, but I reckon we've probably got more questions. And so, I want to land this for us soon, but do you want to ask anything? And maybe I won't be able to answer, but if that's okay, I'll 
I'll think about it. I'll get back to you later. Now, oh, we've got, we got microphones, do we? Wait for it, Tim. It'll start. It'll be Hello. Nice. Right, good. Um, does God, like, how does he choose who gets saved? Does he just, like, choose randomly or why does he save some people? Mm. Flick over in your Bible to chapter 9. Romans 9. Verse 22. What if God... So. Romans 9:22 What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us whom he has called? Why does God choose some and not others? The minutia of why you, Tim, why did he call you? The minutia of that, we're not told specifically, except that he chose you for his glory to show you and all of us the incredible grace that he would do that for you. Now, why you and not someone else? Uh, there was nothing about you. There was nothing about me. You'd, we'd met no conditions. There, were no, there was no checklist that we had to meet to fit the criteria to be someone he would save. As out of his immense kindness, he, he chose you. Um, uh, if God could choose whoever he wanted, and there's infinite room in heaven, would, why doesn't he just choose everybody? If God could choose anyone he wanted, why doesn't he choose everybody? God's ultimate end for all things is the glory of his son, Jesus. And so somehow in the plan of God, to have a people who he would forgive for their sins, and a people who he would let them continue in their rebellion, somehow that amounts to the glory of Jesus being most evidently displayed. Now, how and why? I don't know. But God has chosen to glorify His Son by rescuing, forgiving some, showing His grace to some, and hardening and, and leaving in sin and handing over to their sin others. Lots of these answers are going to be unsatisfying at first and you've got to sit with them for, for years and years and keep coming back. Um, so, you know how you said um, God, like, chooses to condemn some people? Um, does He, I guess, like, predestine those people so He will, like, condemn them because He knows they're going to rebel? Does that make sense? I think... Nine, chapter 9, verse 22, says that He would, that He does, He predestines um, some to be condemned. Uh, and yet, in such a way 
that upholds their genuine responsibility for their sin. And this is the two-layer thing that somehow fit together. That the, this God doing that is compatible with them making the real choice themselves. And that's Luke 22, 22, and we just sit with it. Um, Micah. I'll go for this. I have kind of two questions. The first one is, if there's no difference between me and a non-Christian, because there's no conditions, then what's the... Why has God chosen a Christian instead of a non-Christian? How can you justify that? Yeah. Why did he choose why did he choose me? You know, there were in my, my year at Henry Kendall was a big year. I think there was there was I don't know. It was either it was either 120 or 200 people in my year. I can't remember, but it was one of those kind of numbers. Um, as far as I'm aware, Beck, who's my wife, she was the, the one Christian in the year. As far as I'm aware, it's still only me and Beck out of all my year group who are Christians. Why did he choose me out of all those people? I don't know. 1 Corinthians says that God chooses the weak things in the world to shame the wise. Maybe I was weaker than other people, <laughs> but there was nothing in me that was, um, that was better, I know that. It's just God's incredible kindness to, to one of that lot. He didn't need to be kind to me at all, He just was. And that's God, it's up to God to choose, right? To be God means that it's your right to do with your creation as you want to do. For some reason, He chose to have me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, um, the five steps of power of awesomeness or whatever, um, the unbreakable chain of awesomeness. Very the, um, the first one is for new. And so, that kind of seems that He... He knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And so he knows what's going to happen before he predestines. So it's almost as if he knows what's going to happen before he chooses what's going to happen. That seems like... What, what does that mean? Ha yeah, it's good. God doesn't exist in time, so there's no before and after with God. God is a Father, a Son and a Spirit. He is Father, Son and Spirit. But there was no time when the Father had the Son somehow, and so there, He once didn't have a Son, but now He has a Son. But not to, have, to be a Father means that you've become someone who's had a Son. But because God's outside of time, He is eternally always Father and Son. There wasn't a time when He had the Son. In the same way, God's foreknowing is in reality unseparated from His predestining work. God didn't at first on a Monday know people and then on Tuesday decide to predestine them to salvation. These things happen, described for us time-bound creatures in this fashion, but are, are trying to grasp it the eternal things of God, and so there isn't this succession that goes on. Now, there is a position that would say, uh, what God does is, He looks down the barrel of time, and he, go, he looks at all of you, and He goes, 
who's going to choose me in the world? And he looks ahead and he goes, oh, Josh Jones, in, in 20 whatever, he's going to choose me. And so God predestines him and just kind of makes sure it happens. Now, the problem with that is um, the Bible won't, get, won't let you go there. Who does the choosing in the Bible? God chose Abraham. God chose Israel. God chose, Jesus chose, Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. And God chooses us, He elects us, He predestines us. The other reason, so the Bible won't let you go there, the other reason we can't go there is because who, who's in control of stuff? Are we going to be in control or is God going to be in control? As soon as the answer is that we're in control, we've lost God. Because to be God is to be all-powerful. And now we have a less than all-powerful God and our God is diminished and we no longer have God. We have a, a lesser being of some sort. I reckon just for time, let's go two more. How do we know that God chose us? Like, does He tell us? In, like, how do we know? Tomorrow's talk. Good question. <laughs> nice and snappy answer as well. It's good. Sorry, last one. So, we'll go last one, but we can keep chatting. I'm happy to catch me afterwards, all right? Oh, okay, we'll do two. Ladies first. Um, how does God choose? Like, does He choose His own destiny or fate? Does God choose His own destiny? Uh, God, that's a great question, very cool. Um, God exists outside of the, the timeline, He's up, the t we're in here, he's the script writer, he's up here, outside of time. Uh, we're in here and, you know, yesterday I was here, now I'm here and now I'm here and now I'm here. So, God doesn't have a destiny like we do, God just is and always will be. Now, Jesus has taken on a human nature and so, the man Christ Jesus will have a destiny of eternal glory with you guys partying in heaven, thankful for all the goodness of... But God is, is not on the timeline, it's different for Him. And we'll go last one. Yeah, so um, if... Okay, I'm going to try and tie two questions in a one. Oh, you sneaky but, man. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so if you have been chosen, why do we have to be chasing after God if we're already been chosen, and if we haven't been chosen, why should we be trying to understand God and everything if we haven't been chosen? And if so, how do you know you're chosen? Do you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God or something? But like, yeah. Yeah, you wrote me a letter. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's called Romans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, some of that we'll, we'll pick up tomorrow, last talk. Um, it is the responsibility of every human to glorify God with their lives. That's why they exist. God demands that He's created you and so He demands that you live your life for His glory. And actually, that's what the best life will be, as we've seen this week in, in Matthew. Um, and so, all have a responsibility to do that. Our sin is the fact that we don't. Now, 
I reckon I'm going to leave it there and we'll, we'll see if tomorrow's talk ties some of these, these things up for us. But can I, um, happy to keep chatting afterwards, um, you know, we're, we're here all week for a few more days together, so happy to keep chatting together. Let me, let me pull some of this stuff together and land some of these things with three things. One of the big things, guys, is that unconditional election, this doctrine means that your salvation is from God from first to last. If you're a Christian, then before you were even born, God foreknew you. He predestined you to be saved. And now, in our layer of the script, God has called you through His Gospel, maybe on a fat in years gone by, maybe as your parents raised you and taught you the Bible, maybe in EV Kids, maybe... In our layer of the script, God calls, He justifies, He will glorify, He has glorified and He will glorify. God is the author of our salvation. God saves sinners. Second, unconditional election means that we should be humble and grateful people. Don't you feel small after all of this? Don't you feel so tiny? But... Um, at the same time, we ought to feel so loved. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship. In love, He, before the foundation of the world, chose people that would, would be like us, would be sinners. And yet, God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were His enemies, Christ died for us, and then God called us, and then He justified us, and He glorified us. We have been so loved since before the foundation of the world. And finally, unconditional election means that we should do evangelism. So, come back to, to what we were hearing before from, from Sam and Ollie. The reason that we can and should do evangelism is because God has chosen a people who will be His. There are people out there who God has chosen, we just don't know who they are yet. But God uses His Gospel on our lips to save people, to call them to Himself, as we invite them to youth to hear the Gospel. Who knows if that person is part of God's chosen? But that there are chosen people means that we should just get busy and invite as many people as we can and get to flip side as many people as we can. You know, sometimes people think this doctrine means that we shouldn't do evangelism because why bother? God's got people He's chosen. But it's the opposite. It's that He's chosen people that we should bother. It's why we can have confidence to go out and speak and tell people. If only we would but speak. Now, you might look at some of your mates at your school and think, they are, they're so hard-hearted, they're dead in their sin, they don't care, they could never become a Christian. Wrong! Because God is a chooser and He decides He can save anyone. No one's ever too far gone. You know, I reckon um, growing up like a heavy metal dude, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't call myself a professional musician, Tim, but very kind of you. But growing up a heavy metal dude, lots of people looked at me like, there's no way that dude would come to faith in Jesus. He's into this like angry music and stuff. But Good Friday just gone, this last Friday, was the 15th anniversary of me ever coming to church. And God brought me along for some reason, put it on my heart. 
And as I sat under the sound of the gospel, he called me. Now, I hadn't done anything, it was, it, but he chose me before the foundation of the world. For some reason, God made me alive in those moments and called me to himself that I might, put, I might say I am a sinner and yet I've been so loved. And so, give me faith in Jesus. And so, I wonder how many people God's got out there on the coast, at your schools, at your workplace, at Terrigal High, at HK, at Greenpoint, at Brisbane Water, your sports team, wherever. We don't know every detail of God's plan, but I'm confident that God has many people on the coast who are just waiting to hear the gospel and be called by Him. If only we would but go and speak with the confidence that God is the one who chooses. Is God even calling you home this week? Is God stirring you to see yourself for who you really are and yet God for who He really is and His great love? If God's stirring that in you, come to Him. Don't resist Him any longer. Come to the Saviour who's so loved you. Now, let's, let's, um, I'm going to invite the band up as they come up. Let's pray. Let's give praise to our God in prayer, to our big and powerful God. Let's pray. God, You are the chooser. And You are the chooser because You are big and powerful and far bigger than we could ever imagine. You are eternal. You are outside of time. And in Your love and grace, You have elected that some would be Yours forever. Even while we were sinners, You have chosen to show us Your mercy and grace. We praise You for this and we ask that knowing that You have people who You have chosen, You'd fill us with confidence to share this amazing news and we ask that many, many more people would join us. We pray that us as a youth group would grow in our number of people who know You and love You and that as sure as coming to You, uh, they are called, they are justified, that they are glorified, that we glory with them in heaven for all eternity. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand.